Welcome to the Five Good Ideas podcast, where we rebroadcast some of the best sessions of Maitri's popular program. My name is Elizabeth McIsaac, president of Maitri. We're a Toronto-based organization committed to exploring solutions to poverty in Canada using a human rights approach. For each session of Five Good Ideas, we invite experts from the nonprofit or corporate sector to share five practical ideas on a key management issue facing nonprofit organizations today. I'd like to begin today's session by acknowledging the land where we live and work and recognizing our responsibilities and relationships where we are. As we are meeting and connecting virtually today, I encourage you to acknowledge the place you occupy. I am and Maitri is on the historical territory of the Huron-Wendat, Petun, Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the New Credit Indigenous Peoples territory that is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Ojibwe and allied nations to peaceably share and care for the lands and resources around the Great Lakes. How do you adopt a media mind and make it yours? At some point, you may have gotten burned by the media or just ignored. Since disengagement isn't really an option, how do you move on and germinate, nurture and sustain lasting relationships? In this Five Good Ideas session, Royce and James will demystify the media and talk about how journalists think so you know when, where, and how to engage them intelligently. Royson is the Toronto Star's urban affairs columnist and former City Hall Bureau Chief, recognized throughout the region for his dogged reporting on the region's governments and on social justice. We are very pleased to have Royson with us today. For his full bio and details about today's session, please download the handout. We put the link to it in the chat room. On the handout, you will also find today's five good ideas and resources recommended by Royson. It is now my pleasure to welcome Royce and James. Good afternoon, everyone. So good to join you today. It would be so much more fun if we were face to face, right? But um, this is the hand we've been dealt with. So uh, okay, let's 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 go with it. Um, so I'm sure everybody out there is just happy with the uh, media. Um, you've engaged with media from time to time, and um, you are just pleased with your interactions. Not, right? So, um, in, in talking about five good ideas, um, the media, why don't we um, go to the first one and, and um, get that out of the way, and that is this. Everybody gets screwed by the media, <laughs> okay? So um, don't think that um, you're unique. At some point, you're gonna be upset about something that you read or listen to or hear, and um, you're gonna think that, oh, well, that, you know, that journalist was unfair, unfair to my nonprofit, unfair to my group. Um, so, hey, it happens. It happens to all of us. Everybody gets bruised, right? Your turn will come, and so you should just expect it. Um, it's not that media sets out to be bad guys, but um, when you're the watchdog, 
your job is to bark. Your job is not to determine whether or not the person entering your master's house is actually a criminal, a burglar or not. Your job is just to bark because something seems amiss and you may be barking up the neighborhood and everybody's upset, but uh, you just got to do your job, right? So um, everybody will be hurt at some point because of something they don't um, agree with with the media. Uh, now the issue is that some groups, some people are hurt more than others. Some of us are, we lack voice in, 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 in um, media. We, our perspectives and our viewpoints are not accurately uh, reflected. As such, the bruising lasts longer and has a deeper effect, all right? And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why um, a number of you do the work you do. You're trying to ease that effect on people who are disaffected, people who are distressed, people who are not among the elite, and people who are at the bottom of the barrel. So the important thing is not to take it personal, right? Um, and to prepare for it. Um, as I said, everybody's going to get hit by this at some point, and it's usually how you react to it and how you prepare for it that will determine the final outcome of this. And of course, fact versus fiction is always a concern. And that has been a major concern um, in the last little while, um, especially um, with the advent of one Donald Trump in the United States. Fact versus fiction, setting the record straight. Now as a nonprofit group or somebody who is concerned about climate change or the plight of the poor, um, you'll see um, and hear and read statements that you know are not correct or you know um, they're based on dubious um, information or they're just pretty much, you know, out and out wrong. And your job, I would think, if you really want to play in the media field is to pick your battles. Um, journalists obviously don't like to be corrected. The worst thing, the worst part of your day is having to correct something that you've written. So for me, that means I take great care um, to make sure that the information that I put in is correct in the first place, because you don't want to correct it. Um, you know, a, a major mainline publication like the Toronto Star, Globe and Mail, etc., would have um, an ombudsperson who would be fact checking and to make sure and would take your complaints and then we regularly print corrections but that's the last thing a journalist wants so for you if you if, if you see something that's incorrect about your organization for instance um you don't necessarily want to jump in and ask for every little bitsy thing to be 
fixed and, and corrected unless it is upgrade import. Now, you see here, it talks about the war with the Limbaugh's. I mean, Rush Limbaugh, um, you know, the right wing um, talk radio guy that just died recently. Um, people know, and he has made a reputation. People know what he's going to say, what he stands for. He makes outrageous comments. Um, Sean Hannity, we don't necessarily have somebody in, in, in Canada uh, of that status, but if you know somebody makes outrageous comments and outrageous commentary, I mean, you, you know, you have to figure, all right, I'm, you know, am I going to take this person on for, for what reason? Um, or is what they're saying so egregious that, um, I should take them on head on or my, my association, my, my organization is should take them on or is this something you just have to say, hey, free press, free speech, um, let's agree to disagree. Sometimes you have to disagree and sometimes you have to take a stand. And I like to say, if you're gonna do that, be positively negative, <laughs> that is, um, you don't have to get down in the gutter with somebody to oppose what it is that they're saying. Um, um, you can do it in a more positive way. All right, alternate facts, lies, damn lies. <laughs> um, obviously, there are times when things are just really ridiculous and you, you need to take a stand, right? Um, that's an issue that newsrooms are dealing with all the time. Um, for the average newsroom, dedicating too much time and space to batting down on truths, right? From determined back, bad faith actors. And a lot of times those are the um, those talk show hosts. Um, you know, you, if you spend a lot of time doing that, that can come at the expense of the actual news. And um, we see, the, as I said, with the advent of Donald Trump, you, you see that a lot. We had a similar situation in Toronto with um, Mayor Rob Ford. I was at City Hall at the time. And I mean, we spent a lot of time um, fact checking and providing reality checks. Um, Daniel Dale was at the start at the time in, in the City Hall Bureau. And he started this whole thing of fact-checking um, Rob Ford. Interestingly, Daniel Dale then went to be the star's um, US correspondent and just the advent of Donald Trump. And so he started doing with Donald Trump the same thing that he did with Rob Ford. And so created this whole fact-checking regime that was adopted by a number of US um, media outlets, Pointer Institute and others. And so, yeah, so sometimes you, you, you do have to do that, but at the end of the day, you know, you spend so much time trying to fact check and to um, um, hold somebody, you know, accountable on those issues that sometimes it does overtake the news and um, become even more 
more of a more of a hindrance than a help. Okay, so one idea that that um is is percolating out there is at least in the media is how do you you know counter what are obvious lies by either politicians or by special interest groups. And one idea is is to um, do a, a truth, what was called a truth sandwich. That is, you you um, you present the 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 um, the lie sandwich between the truth, because if you spend too much time repeating the lie, um, then what we what we have found in studies is that then you know if you repeat a lie many many times, then pretty soon it almost becomes the truth, and um, you can't get people away from that. So for instance, I don't know if you've, you've heard of the the um, the 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 cold spell in in Texas, and as a result of that, there's been this big fight that. Um, Oh, the cold spell was caused because Texas was moving towards um, solar energy and wind energy and wind. And because of that, um, the, the state was unable to withstand the, um, the cold spell. So, which was clearly not true, but is repeated over and over again. So one way to deal with that would be Say if, if I'm writing the story and trying to counter that instead of just repeating and saying um, Sean Heineke today and you know state of the lie that blah 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 I would I would do something like this power outages in Texas caused mainly by gas and coal fired power plants freezing up no power outages in Texas were caused mainly by gas and coal fired power plants freezing up and that's the truth. Right, so then you sandwich now the the untruth. Some right-wing media figures and Republican politicians have instead inaccurately blamed renewable energy and the Green New Deal. And you go back to the truth, but wind and solar energy, in fact, fared better than fossil fuels did during the Texas cold snap. And the Green New Deal does not exist yet, either at the federal level or in the state of Texas. Right. So that's just um, one of the techniques to um, do to deal with lies, alternate facts. All right, good idea number two. The journalism world is in crisis, right? Is that an obstacle or an opportunity? If you've been paying any attention, you would notice that um, newspapers, especially, are in dire straits. Um, in in the last 15 years, these, these are U.S. studies that they've lost 50% of the newspapers in the country in the last 15 years, right? And there's a net loss of 24,000 journalists. So, yep, they've you know you've added um, some journalists um, in on the online format. Um, you've added a few on thousands on television. Um, you've lost a little on radio, but still the net effect is that you've lost 24,000 journalists 
and 55 million readers and that there are huge swaths of areas where there's, there's not even a single newspaper that exists. And so in that type of environment, there is obviously a void. And the question is, is that now an opportunity for you um, to fill that void? Because if the journalists aren't there to collect the news, does that then give you an opportunity to um, actually step in and fill the void? Um, and my, my, my proposition to you is that yes, there is, and that you should actually um, grab that opportunity. Five good ideas. Number three, one hand washes the other. Now, I mean, that's just a basic, basic principle um, that journalists have always um, followed. You, you know, you, you know, Maytree Foundation. Oh, yeah, listen, you know, from the day that I was introduced to Maytree, I mean, I realized that there are partners in the civil society. And so me as a columnist at the Toronto Star, look to them for studies and reports and direction and, and um, information and influence and inspiration to help me help, help create a better city of Toronto, a better urban region, a better Ontario, a better Canada. So we expect, I know I did, I expect and look forward to you, the nonprofit sector, to teach me to help teach the readers. Um, we depend on, and now that, you know, we're losing so many journalists because um, we're losing advertising to, to digital platforms like Google and Facebook. And so the, the old model, funding model doesn't work anymore. Because of that, um, we're losing all these journalists and you have a lot of areas that no longer have reporters or don't have enough reporters to, um, to report the news. We're ex we need your expertise now more than ever. Now, are you equipped to do that? I think you are. The question is, are you prepared and are you willing to fill the void. So number four is to know your allies. How do you mine the media? Um, at least, you know, you should know your enemies, right? You, sh you should know who to stay away from and who to, who to, who to hook up with. Who is a likely partner? Um, if you want to know if the Toronto Star is likely to write about your issue, all you have to do is read the Toronto Star on a you know, regular basis, and then you will see um, stories appear there um, that, and that you will say, hey, actually, I, I should have thought that. You know, I, I, I could have, that could have been me. That could have been my issue. That could have been this person or this issue that we want um, to get um, the public oxygen. And so just if you pay attention um, to what's written 
then you will get a real clear sense as to the possibilities of your particular story or idea uh, getting picked up. Who is promoting your particular ideas and your particular ideals in the paper? Um, if a columnist is frequently writing about stuff that you care about, um, then the, why not drop them a line? Um, you know, I get, depending on the column I write, I get all sorts of emails from people. So you, you drop a columnist and say, hey, that was a great, great column you wrote yesterday. I love, you know, point A and B. If you're looking for anything in the future on point C or D, hey, you know, I, I know a whole bunch of people who can, that I can connect you with. So that's, that's feeding the beast. Right, that's giving that's giving them um, more and more information, more ideas, more sources. That's saying to that that reporter, you know, I can be your source. That's making it an investment in that journalist, and more often than not, they will respond positively to um, to that type of outreach. Um, you should be reading the editorials of the paper so that you know where the papers stand on certain issues and you can see their arguments on their thinking. And you can, if their thinking is like totally directly opposed to where you are, you can um, positively disagree, right? By, by offering su suggestions and, and saying, hey, if you're looking for a different view or you can say, hey, we have a totally different view and we can support it with, um, um, research and studies, and we would love to get the opportunity to write an op-ed in, in your paper to express that view. Hey, how can you turn that down, right? You, I mean, you didn't call him and cuss him out and, and told him that they're the worst thing ever. All you're saying is, yep, your view, okay, we've, we've heard you, we, we, di we disagree. And we have, um, I think we have a reasonable um, position here that we would like to present in your paper. Okay, so read what's out there, follow, get a sense of who it is that's on your side, know who the enemy is, um, support and um, praise and offer congratulations to the people who are actually out on the front lines um, propagating your views and your ideas. And that type of investment will pay in the end um, as you will develop partnerships with such a person. Um, then last one is, is being a media, media junkie. Now, a number, a number of you, um, you, be, you belong to organizations that um, maybe you don't have a person who is in charge of media, so hey, then I guess you're going to be that person. Um, you know, if you've been paying attention and you know what's out there and and you're media savvy, then you will turn out to be the one that maybe can assist your organization. You'll be the media expert, and you'll you'll be that way just by paying attention. Is um, a void in in many organizations and. 
and then you can you can fill that void and and just so you know that there there are numerous um resources you're not on your own um you'll be surprised how many people are out there who are willing to help you um write a news release or um help you develop your your media skills they're also um media platforms, online courses online platforms that would would give you um, the basics pretty much you can just do a google search and you'll be surprised how well you can teach yourself so i think i included some of the resources um in your package so that you can not only learn some of the basics of journalism but you can also read and engage in the discussions that are out there um one thing you know journalists are constantly dealing with a number of the issues that you're dealing with and we're also constantly checking ourselves and criticizing ourselves and critiquing critiquing our critiquing ourselves on how we're engaging with the public so those are the um the the five ideas that uh, we can toss around and uh, look forward to your questions that's terrific thank you so much royce and that was that was really a, a comprehensive uh take on on how we think about working with the media from the point of view of the small nonprofit and how do we see ourselves in that picture so there are questions coming in and so we've got uh a little while a few minutes that 20 minutes or so to to go at some of these questions. I wanna start with one that came from a few different people. And you talked about it a little bit, uh, but it's about how to how to start that relationship. Now, you, you said you get tons of people just reaching out, cold calls, sending you emails, and you, you talked about sort of getting that relationship started. Is there a way of punching above the noise to really get your attention and to cultivate that relationship? Should they be inviting you out for coffee? How do you get a real relationship started uh, beyond just one email of 40 that landed in your inbox before 10 o'clock? Uh, yeah, the, you know, the more you invest in the relationship is the more you'll get out. Um, I get I get calls and invitations all the time from, from people who have something that they want to share or an idea that they want to put out there and they they take me out to lunch, they take me to breakfast, whatever, we discuss it, blah, blah, and then, you know, something builds from there. Sometimes it's just a matter, as I said, of, of um, sending a note and following up and doing two, three times or asking, hey, is there anything else? You know, I noticed that you wrote this, Barbara, are you looking for um, real life individuals who are going through that particular situation um, and offering assistance and offering help and you sort of you, you build that relationship i mean as a journalist we do the same thing um when i started writing on waste management i took the time to meet with the head of waste management with the city you know say hey you know can i know nothing about this can you meet with me and um tell me about it and it was mr ferguson at the time covering for metro and he spent a couple hours on, a, on an afternoon talking to me about it and the next day i called back and i said hey wonderful i got a full notebook full of stuff um but i need more 
And so, you know, we spent a lot of time. He invested hours trying to educate me on the issues of waste management and um, the issues in, in, in Toronto. And the result of that was that I wrote over 200 stories in one year about waste management. So if you invest the time and, and the energy, then reporters, you know, the first thing is that you believe in what, you, what, you're, um, what you're selling. Right. And so then as a matter, all you all you want is somebody to actually give you a listen and you know that you can actually get them to think the way you're thinking, get them to see what you're seeing. And once you do that, then the journalist just um, will take it from there. Pen writes itself. Yeah. OK, I've got three questions I'm going to put in together because they're kind of related. Um, the first is, are there any tips on getting an op ed published? What do you suggest we do to follow up on an op-ed we've submitted, but it hasn't been published? And I'm going to just tie this into op-eds. Should we play to the controversial position since it makes a better story? Or is the pragmatic, balanced approach best? So a few ideas for you to work with. Yeah, I mean, hey, sometimes, sometimes a rant is needed. Sometimes reason um sometimes the facts right I, I think the facts usually tend to to resonate more with with um canadian audiences um but you know and i guess depending on the publication you know read what is it that usually gets on the op-ed page so you go and you read what's there and you, so after, you know, you read that for a few months and you'll get a sense of what it is that the editors are interested in. In other words, the tone, um, the, the length, um, subject matter, do they, do they like you to be controversial, contrarian, um, or do they like you to be reasonable and academic and thoughtful? So, um, Really, there's no there's no um, fixed approach. Each publication is is different, and it and really is looking at what it is that they normally do. And if you have something that's totally different from what they normally do, hey, sometimes that works, right? Um, and you can in your pitch, you can actually present it like that. You know, I noticed that in in, in the Toronto Sun, you normally print, blah, blah, blah. This is totally different. And it's totally different because of this, 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 this. And so here is my, you know, here's an op-ed that we think your, your, um, your readers would, would be interested in reading. So this is, this is a question that builds on that a little bit. And it says, how do we advance from doing an op-ed to being identified as, as a source or an expert within a milieu? You know, I've, someone's written a couple of op-eds for Toronto.com from the from a tenant point of view, but how do they then become a source almost so that they are called upon? Changes the voice a little bit. Yeah, um, you you know you be, you become a source when people trust you, All right? And so you don't just you don't just become a, a source overnight. So. Again, which is why I like 
um, the the idea of sending notes, um, giving information. So when I'm writing on transit, there are all these transit buffs out there, right? Who will read it and say, oh, this is great, wonderful. You know, I, I agree with you 80%, all right? You're missing this and you're missing that. You know, somebody says they agree with you 80% and you're missing point A and B. What, are you gonna be upset? No, matter of fact, you're gonna be thinking, hey, this person is thinking, what is it that they know that I don't know? And so then you say, hey, and then if they do that a second time and a third time and they say, hey, listen, well, I've noticed that you've been writing this, you know, you're great, you know, the, the transit community, we love you, the fact that you're doing these things, but we, I really think that you're missing this, 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 can we meet? All right, so in other words, this person is really pushing to, towards being a source so that as far as they're concerned and their, their constituency is concerned, they're pushing towards the idea that they want to make you better. They want to make you um, be the voice and the source, not just for the 80%, but for everybody. See what I mean? And so you offer that. And it, plus, sometimes you, we always like to have um, real life examples and situations. And so we, we, and we'll hook a story on a particular person. And, and hey, a lot of times you have better sources. You could have given me somebody who was much better, right? <laughs> and so when that happens, when you read that, then you, and then, then it's a matter of, again, alerting me that, hey, next time you, you're looking for um, uh, a homeless person, right? Um, listen, we interact in, and engage with 200 a year, right? And we probably have four or five who could better demonstrate or explain um, the situation that you had in the paper today. So the next time you're looking for somebody, don't be afraid to call us, right? Which we'll, we'll get you somebody. Right, and that's that's one way. So that, that's reactionary. Um, you can actually be proactive and offer up ideas and offer up um, issues and say, "Hey, this issue is just bubbling, just there below the surface. Nobody sees it, but we're seeing this, and we have evidence of it. And our workers are telling us A, B, C, D, E." Right, and you really listen. You would server readers. You'll be way ahead of the curve if you can actually present this. And I can. I have all the sources. I got all the people. I got. You know, if you want to do the story, we'll get you for. We can get you to actually deliver on this. So that's that's actually a really great bridge into um, the next question, which is: Can you talk about exclusives? When do you offer them? When you're sitting on a big story, you got all the sources, you got the people, when do you offer them? And can you do it simultaneously? Can you do pitches to two outlets at once? And how do you manage that? Yeah, well, yeah, you can't, you can't pitch an exclusive to two people because then you're not exclusive, right? <laughs> okay, so, uh, so then the, the, the trick is to, is to know where this resonates best or who will best be served by this. If you're a group and, and you are in, say, the GTA, and you know you got the Sun, you got the Globe, you got the Post, you have the Star, 
and their competitors, right? And so if all you do is leak something to the Toronto Star, then after a while, the other newspapers will say, ah, okay, they're just a star's lackey. And, um, you know, they, they had a big story and they gave it to the star. And then, you know, I, there I am, I'm looking foolish the next day. My editor is asking me, how come I didn't get that story? So in feeding the beast, you try to feed all the beasts, <laughs> okay? Unless you really want nothing to do with that particular beast, <laughs> okay? And then you need to know who, you should know this is a star story. And this is a sun story and this is the globe story, right? And um, the, the good nonprofits, they, after a while, they, they get to know. Not only that, they some, they'll pitch the story to um, say the globe or the sun and it doesn't get picked up, right? So they know after a while, listen, it doesn't even make, it doesn't even make sense me wasting my time pitching that story to them. This is a star story. So I'm gonna pitch it to the star as an exclusive. Right? I know it's a star story. I know they're the only one who's going to run it anyways, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch it as an exclusive because then I get brownie points for pitching it as an exclusive. <laughs> okay. So um, that's one of the tricks um, of the trade. Um, and the other thing is, obviously, when you pitch something as an exclusive, the paper will tend to give it bigger prominence and play, right? and they'll put an exclusive tag on it. And so they'll play that up uh, as opposed to uh, putting it further back in the paper. So it's always, it's, 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 it's good strategy to do that. Just have enough nuggets and um, treats for everybody and um, spread the goodies around. Great. So it's uh, 1.45. Um, we have time for a couple more questions. If you have time for a couple more questions, Royce. Yes. Great. Uh, so the next one is kind of the, the basic tool in everyone's toolkit, communications people's toolkit, which is the news release. Um, how, how much do journalists pay attention to those? How do you decide which ones to look at? How do we use that more effectively? Or is it just a, a, something you do, but you've got to do a whole lot more than just that? Yeah, you... I mean, you know, if it's if it's a big news, you you write three, four, five words on the page, and everybody's gonna jump. <laughs> All right. If you if it's something that you have to sell, then yeah, you need to find um, an interesting hook, some something that's difficult to set aside, and over time you you learn that. Um, and again, which is why I'm at, there's no way you can be writing news releases to publications or trying to, to develop relationships if you're not reading their publications, right? So obviously, if you, if you send out a, a press release on what is supposed to be news and the paper ran it two days ago, then <laughs> the person receiving the press release will say, well, wait a second, Katerina, I mean, you know, you're not paying attention here. You're, you're wasting my time. We get tons of news releases and sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we don't follow up on news releases that, that we should follow up on. That's 
That's the nature of the beast. What you do is um, you try again the next day and you try again the next day because I write, um, I write a story that should be on page one, but for some, something happened. Tiger Woods had a big accident. And this great story that I'm supposed to do about the Maytree Foundation solving housing problems again across the country, somehow that gets <laughs> knocked off, the, off the, the front page. It happens to all of us. And the first time it happens to you as a journalist, you're upset and you think the editors are horrible. They're trying to get you. But no, that's, that's just how it is. It's going to happen. Um, you go back the next day. Because you can be sure that there's going to be a story of yours that ends up on page one that you're just laughing. Like, this is not an A1 story. How did this get on page one? That's, it's not a science. All right? So, you, you know, sometimes we, we make bad calls or sometimes just for effect or somebody in the in the chain of command saw this particular story and liked it and wanted something light or whatever and they say hey i put this on page one so don't take it again don't take it personal just um if if it continues over and over then and you, you start trying to develop relationships and you may want to ask you know one of your journalist friends okay what are we doing wrong okay um what's missing here um, why wasn't this picked up? What are we missing? And they'll be able to assist you. So the last question I want to ask, sorry, my microphone's a bit funny there. The last thing I want to ask you um, is around media training. And I want your perspective as, as the journalist side of the equation. On this side of the equation, we're often told, get media training, learn how to not answer the question or, or provide your side only or how to get your message across effectively. Um, can a person actually train themselves effectively to be able to communicate well to media? Does it become a hindrance to the journalist when people are too well trained by media trainers? I just I would love your opinion on that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's part of the game, right? I mean, we know that public relations professionals um, are trained to give us only this much and no more. Um, you know, the, their primary intent is for their organization to be presented in a certain light. And of, of course, if we're calling them uh, and to call out that organization or to expose wrongdoing, we know that the professional, the public relations professional is not going to be falling all over themselves to give you the information. That's just part of the game. But I mean, we're professionals as well. So we don't expect to be lied to. So if you, if you lie to the journalist and then, then they know they're not going to trust you. So the next time they call you, well, why should I believe what, what you said? The last time I called you, I asked you point blank and you, um, you lied. So, so I, I get, you know, as public relations professionals, you guys know, you learn how to 
obfuscate <laughs> without, <laughs> without particularly lying. And listen, sometimes we have to, I, you know, the, the relationships you have with public relations folk is, is, is so important because sometimes you have to call a source and say, hey, okay, I know you can't tell me ABC, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is what I'm writing tomorrow. Okay? I have this from, on good account from two or three sources that um, this happened in your organization, blah, 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 blah. I know you can't tell me yes, but if I were to write that, would I look, would I be sued? Would I look stupid tomorrow for writing that? Would I be like totally wrong? Excellent. And then, you know, based on the response you get, then you, then you know if you're actually um, lukewarm or you're, you're dead wrong. And so you can then move on from there. And, and to be clear, it's not necessarily about obscuring or, or avoiding the truth, but sometimes it's about getting your story out better um, and being stronger. And so there's, there's the other side of that as well. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, on, on that, obviously, you should be pushing, you should be pushing for that and, um, and providing, yeah, obviously, if you, yeah. if you had an interview with a reporter and your side was presented and for some reason they didn't get it, Right. Yeah, sure. You, 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 you would follow up and say, hey, you know, like yesterday, the interview, wow, the story is wonderful. We really, really wanted these points to be made. I totally buried. Right. How can we what can we do to fix that? How can we actually get that uh, in people's consciousness, including yours, so that we can get that part of the story out? Royston, I promised I would have you off the call by 1.55 and it's 1.53 by my clock, so I'm going to stop the questions there. This has been just an incredible uh, treat. Uh, we don't often have the chance to hear straight from a journalist what it's like on that side of the phone or that side of the email or that side of the paper. Um, so just terrific uh, ideas and thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Five Good Ideas with Royce and James. We link to the Five Good Ideas resources and a full transcript of the session in our show notes. You can find all of our Five Good Ideas sessions from past seasons on the Maytree website at maytree.com forward slash five dash good dash ideas. And you can subscribe to the Five Good Ideas podcast to continue to listen to our best sessions. See you next time.